We bought a mic. 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 It's good airtime. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast. How's everybody doing? Good. You know, good. good. Just drinking a nice tall glass of water and mm. uh, feeling good. Nothing like it. I've been, I've, uh, been sober all month. There you go, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, except Valentine's Day, I had a couple glasses of wine. I mean, you got it. Mm. You got it. We did just spend about an hour huffing on those uh, Zillow. That's vibes. true. I've That's... been I've been juiced on Zillow, <laughs> helping Ernie house. So, so th- does that count as sobriety? Really? Well, if that's you think kind about of how it? I've cut cocaine out of my life. <laughs> mm. It's more of like an, an E thing for me. It's like straight ecstasy. Well, no, it's like cocaine in that like I get a fix and like I'm immediately like, okay, now let's look at more houses. I'm looking at houses right now. Like literally. <laughs> I'm literally looking. I'm not joking. Oh, I'm God. On this is this is worse. You I'm, should go back to Crystal Meth, Drew. I love it, man. What are your parameters for you? Oh, yeah. We should tell the listeners. Drew Drew's strictly been looking for me, but through the parameters mm. of him. Yeah, I've, well, I've, I've, I'm strongly advising you, you know, to to sway you toward houses that I like, without taking into consideration, like, oh, you, you want to help yard. me a lot, honestly. Like a Thanks. lot of your picks have been golden, so you know, our 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 audience should know that the 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 bond stretches beyond the bounds mm-hmm. of the podcast. <laughs> this is a, a major life decision that I'm making here. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, we're all a part of it together. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, I don't actually contribute anything like sending you houses or something like that. But I do love to make comments and say, I like that house. We we need the outside perspective. And listeners, send us your thoughts. <laughs> send us properties. We're not going to tell you any personal like like budget we'll info. Tell you where we live. Nothing like that. Or... Just send us Zillow. But links. just keep in mind the future of the podcast depends on the place that you pick. Yeah, this is the thing. We we like if we're doing house hunters, Ernie's thing is he needs a pod room. He's like, well, where am yeah. I, where do my boys fit? Yeah. You should just buy a tiny home. Just for the podcast. Yes. No, no, no. I meant for like oh. <laughs> you and Lee just have like a tiny home and then also we podcast like in your bedroom that we all have to like lay horizontal to record during i think that could work swag. i think it could work I think that yeah. could work welcome to the show uh i'm Ernest. i am hunter i'm drew and speaking of sending us things our friend brian adams our sugar daddy uh podcast um uh, connoisseur um bankroller Mm-hmm. Um, Man flagship stockholder paying, paying the down payment on your house <laughs> from what I'm told he better send us another grand email we bought a mic at gmail.com um, subject line all caps what's up 
What's up, Brian? <laughs> Sick. Yo, a few questions for the pod. Three and a separate remark. When do you use the word film? And when do you use the word movie? I, Easy. I use the word film when I want to sound pretentious. Um, and I use the word movie whenever I talk about Marvel. I only sure. I don't. If you've noticed, Bry, I don't really say film at all. I don't like saying that. I don't know why. I th- it's because I think it sounds pretentious. You can just call it a movie. It's not really a distinction that matters. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's not like content versus movie or right, whatever. Right, right. This it like it's a movie. I and say movies. Both. I say the marriage changeable. I, they're they're synonyms for each other. I yeah. Don't, it's just it's, movie is like a good word to say. Like it's it's a it come rolls off the tongue better than film mm-hmm. movie movie. Oh, I watch a movie. Yeah, like, it's just better. It's a better word. But I like to say like for example, this week we're talking about Jason Black Messiah. I watched a film this week. Yeah, I, I think that there is a level of like artistic integrity that comes with the word film. Yeah, I think that movie just, but it, that's self-anointed, uh, like also emphasis that you're putting on that word because they are just synonyms for each well, other. And if you look up film, it just says movie is the definition. Exactly, and also like most movies are not shot on film. Yeah, that's a great anymore. point. If you're being literal, film is a physical thing. It's not like a digital file. The know? real question is, when do you guys say uh, motion picture? <laughs> yeah a moving image if yeah. you will if i know if i want to be like silly with it i say like a joint a, you know like the, yeah. a spikely joint yeah that's always fun to say i like picture we need to we need to take marty up on that and, and yeah, really like bring picture. that in i use that sometimes whenever i'm writing reviews and i'm like i've written the word movie or film in the last four sentences and i gotta find another sentence in picture here. in there yeah yeah call it a romp yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Judas and the Black Messiah, what a fun romp. Let's let's see what uh what um descriptor you can use for the next part of his question, which is have you all seen Promise Land? Uh parentheses Matt Damon's third best. I mean it. It goes <laughs> Mr. Ripley, Goodwill Hunting, Promise Land. Um so I saw that Brian sent in this email and I've actually like wanted to see this movie for a while because it is made by Gus Van Sant, uh, who worked with Matt Damon, of course, on um, Goodwill Hunting and is also uh, made Elephant, which is a widely praised movie. Um, I'll be honest, this movie like didn't really work for me that much. Um, I do think, though, that Matt Damon is excellent in this movie. Isn't Krasinski in there, too? Yeah, Krasinski is in it. Um, Actually, Matt Damon and John Krasinski have co-writing credits in this movie. It's based on a story by That's Dave wild. Eggers, too, like legendary writer. Yeah, um, basically, the, the premise of the story is that Matt Damon uh, works for a fracking company that goes around to small towns and tries to convince them, like, here, you guys have, like, millions of dollars worth of natural gas underneath. I'll give you money. I can make you a millionaire if you just give away your land. And John Krasinski plays an environmentalist. Um, And over the course of the movie, it's Matt Damon coming to terms with the capitalistic side of him versus the environmentalist side of him. It's a very like kind of by the numbers movie. There is like one twist that did surprise me a little bit, but overall Martian. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Also, by the way, 
I'm not like the biggest fan, but The Martian is in Matt Damon's top three. He carries that entire movie. Like that is his top three performances. Don't don't talk shit about Brian. No, I'm just saying. I I will say, Brian, if you are a fan of Promised Land, I highly recommend the movie from a couple years ago, Dark Waters, uh, with Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, they knew. It's... I think that's not they knew. I think that no, that's that's no, that's no, no, but Dark Waters is. Have we not seen enough of these fucking movies? It it is a they knew. Another docudrama. He doesn't say Um, they knew, or he might say it. No, he doesn't say they knew. He says they knew in Spotlight. I know, I know that. Yeah. Um, No, but but the plot of Dark Waters is that they knew. I talked about Dark Waters a while ago on this podcast, and I really like Dark Waters. Like, I think that's a movie that kind of got like lost in the shuffle like like it very easily if it would have come out a month earlier i think it could have been like an oscar awards kind of darling how how am i an environmentalist if i haven't seen dark waters yeah you haven't seen promised land either so like you're a fracking uh fan you're really like you're a big proponent of the mayor of flint i'm an enabler essentially Um, no yeah it's uh but yeah um I'm sorry, Brian. I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie, but I do. I will give credit that Matt Damon does carry a lot of this movie. Also, Frances McDormand, isn't it? Um, she's good and like not much of a part, but she gets to shine a little bit. Next, he says, have any of you seen Pleasantville? I remember liking it a lot in high school, but never rewatched it. No clue how it holds up. The Tobey Maguire with thing. um. Uh, I, I've Reese heard that it's like a top five bathtub masturbation movie. Oh my god! I have never seen this movie, but that's the one thing I know is that it's in black and white. It's 1950s, mean, and there's a bathtub masturbation. You mean scene. WandaVision? <laughs> yeah, no, literally, it's yeah, it's like a, it's like an old like show within a movie type of yeah, thing. Two siblings who wind up trapped in a 50s TV show. Yeah. Yep. Um, I saw, this, I, I saw this movie in college because um, I took a class that was movies about television and this was part of the syllabus and I remember liking it. Um, I remember really uh, kind of being a little bit wowed by some of the effects um, because there are some scenes like towards the back half of the movie where the black and white world starts to get taken over by color um, as a metaphor for the new way of thinking taking over the old way of thinking mm. in this town um and they went the way they do it the way they blend like color with black and white in the same shot in the same frame um it's a little bit mind-boggling like how they accomplish that um and i would be curious to see like the making of because there's like some scenes where you just you just think like did they are these people like it painted gray like what's going on here like how did they accomplish this um in terms of the plot i don't really remember like that much about it but on a technical level you know the the visual quality of it i remember really Mm. appreciating what else we got from bray i want to know everyone's thoughts including harry sayers on surfs up Oh, is this in competition with Happy Feet for best penguin movie? Only if we're being charitable to Happy Feet. Oh, surfs up damn. should be run <laughs> in theaters in every city. Brian every is summer. showing Harry who fucking owns this podcast right now. <laughs> um, Brian is taking was his. Well, okay, he actually replied to the email <laughs> with an addendum, <laughs> and he said, 
Per my last email, I would like to retroactively attempt to not sound so harsh on Happy Feet. <laughs> it's a good movie. That's awesome. They can share the throne together. Penguin movies no, exist. No, in their I'm going to act like I'm not listening to this part. Egalitarian society. No, no. <laughs> I knew that was like, I was like, Brian's the nicest guy ever. I don't think he would. And then he rolls it back. No, I want you to attack Harry specifically. Sur- Surf's up is bad like it's i've never seen this movie it's funny because there's like i i maybe i have like in the background Dude, this I've never was really one that i like dragged my dad to go i do see me. like sexy penguin um in the background of this this it's, poster on i a, mean it's stupid like it's dumb as shit it's uh john heater's in it he plays like a funky a stupid chicken shia labeouf yeah labeouf is the main man um, it, it's got nothing on Happy Feet. Happy Feet is well, like incredible. Yeah, yeah, but like this is like funnier. Like Happy Feet's not that funny. Happy Feet's like. Good. Hey, there are a lot of like high reviews on Letterbox. So let me just say, For it seems up? to be a polarizing movie. For yeah. Up? Uh, yeah, yeah, the South Pole. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I'll check out Surf's Up for you, Brian. I'll check back with my thoughts. I I remember enjoying it. That's when what I was you should have watched instead of uh, Promise. Then <laughs> you watch Surf's Up. Give me your takes, man. I this um this is in the middle of just an absolute run for Shia. Where oh yeah, Transformers. Oh seven. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, this, is, is Surf's Up Shia LaBeouf's Apex Mountain? Yes. <laughs> with, without question, it is. Um, wait, wait! Is does John Heater play the rooster-looking dude? Yes, he's a he's a funky surfer chicken. Oh my! God. He, in the in the trailer, he has he a big line where he's fun. like, uh, his big line in the trailer is, "I can feel it in my nuggets." <laughs> there, there's a lot of Green Day in this movie too, dude. Um, that's sick. The, yeah, the um the trailer had "Welcome to Paradise." Oh, okay. Never mind. I love this movie. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you can't talk shit about this movie. <laughs> wait. Oh, okay. For, uh, for a second, I thought the box office was the budget. the The box office is 149 mil. I thought that was the so, budget for a second. Here's <laughs> it, yeah. like, what? here's the funny. This is really funny. So his name's Cody. First of all, Shia LaBeouf's Dude, penguin character. Nice. He's a surfing penguin from Shiverpool. So Liverpool isn't mm-hmm. where surfers are. Yeah, no, that's not what not you need. You need to do what What <laughs> we need to fix this one joke before we move on. What city is he from? Like a funny, like cold version of a surf um, city. Um, um, Johannes. Berg, Berg, Johannes Iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that wouldn't land with the, the children or the adults. Does Shiverpool land with the, no, the that's, children? That's what I'm saying. That blows. Chica- like, Chicago Bunga. Chicago? <laughs> Chicago There's Bunka. a giant lake. What? You don't serve on the lake. What? It's essentially an ocean. So, I mean, really, it's like a, an LA Los, or a San Los, Diego. Uh, Los Snow Angeles. Snow Angeles. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. I, I can, we we got to work on that. that. Oh, so I'm not going to move on from this in my head, but you can move on. For the so pod. so this was clearly uh, like a follow up to Happy Feet culturally. Um, well, actually, they were probably in development simultaneously, like the twin movies phenomenon. Yeah, the studios it's just realized, oh, penguins. Yeah. Penguins are hot right now. Because they, they came out a year apart. But I, okay, so we got to look at, because the thing with Happy Feet is that it's a movie about like singing and, and dancing penguins or dancing penguin until Happy Feet 2. Um, and we got to compare the, the, the music 
So here's the songs that and the artists that are featured in Happy Feet. Uh, Prince. Uh, Pink. Um, Stevie up. Wonder. Yeah, but is it them or Freddie is it a Mercury. bunch of penguins? Um, okay, is it the let Trolls me, effect where it's just like other people like all singing? Here, here, are the, here are the actual songs. So uh, an original song by Prince, which is called Song of the Heart. Um, Tell Me Something Good by Stevie Wonder. I Wish by Stevie Wonder. Um, My Way. Um, Kiss. Boogie Land. Uh, Golden Slumbers in the End by the Beatles. So it's kind of stacked a little bit. And then. No, this is so much better. 311. Yeah. I'm always saying that Incubus is a better artist than Prince. Drive by Incubus. Like an old hit of theirs at this point in time. Like an eight year old hit. That's a weird. Pearl Jam, Sugar Ray. Dude, Dirty Heads way before they broke. Hey, yeah. 2007 is early. Lauren Hill. Yeah. Sugar Ray swag. You know how I feel about Sugar Ray. The Queers, a band called The Queers. You know, I guess I guess we'll have to revisit Surf's Up. Let's do a we fought a mic for Brian and Harry. Dude, you get what you give by New Radicals. Dude, that's ill. Hey. This is a lib movie. <laughs> <laughs> the top uh, review on Letterboxd for Surf's Up is you, Happy Feet, me, an intellectual Surf's Up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And true. then the last thing that we can't forget that Brian said on his email is uh, parentheses, parentheses, also, comma, Tom Brady has evil in his eyes and he is a mm-hmm. system QB. Say it. Say it. Period. Close. Say parentheses. it. Yeah. Look, you know what? I I would be intimidated, uh, Brian, but I'm actually too busy uh, like spitting and hand cleaning Tom Brady's seven rings for him. His so, balls. And his testicles. You're cleaning his balls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If only he would give me the opportunity. My God. It's okay, Brian. Hey, look, I, I still love Patrick Mahomes. Still very talented. Ugh. It's very cute. Oh. <laughs> thanks for the email, Brian. Um, and thanks for fighting the good fight against the oppressive uh, reign of one Tom Brady. I, give it another like 25 years and Tom Brady will be out of everybody's life. Yeah, but you will still be talking about him. So he won't be out of my life. Uh, well, you know, I figure I'm probably only going to live until like age 35. So like I'm almost there. Tom Brady might still be playing football by the time I'm dead. Let's start lining up a replacement for Hunter already. Yeah, I'd go. Ahead. That's can a good we, idea. Can we get Tom Brady in here? You think he knows how to <laughs> talk about what, what, what do you think Tom Brady's takes on movies Has, has he ever seen a movie? Yes. Uh, his favorite <laughs> movie is American Sniper. <laughs> Definitely. He's probably never even his seen favorite, Surf's Up. His favorite movie is Birth of a Nation. <laughs> Dude. He is not he is a Nazi. Get the fuck out of here. I guarantee he's, he's a Nazi. I, I guarantee you he's never seen a movie before. I feel like his like idea of like movie night with his wife is just like, hey, let's watch back old game tape. For oh, me <laughs> kill me. Fucking kill me. I don't think he spends time with his wife. He's yeah, it's like it's like Trump. It's like my favorite book is The Art of the Deal. It's like the same thing. He is not like Trump. He is <laughs> he, more he robotic Trump. than Trump. <laughs> he is he is a robot. He does not he cares what people think of him. Trump oh, does not. Trump, Trump, Trump cares, so, cares much. so much. What that's the only no, that's thing he's I'm, ever cared about. I'm saying that he well, he does, but like he still will go on to say heinous awful things that he knows will offend people tom yeah, brady doesn't tom brady wants him. 
everybody to love him and uh, which leads to almost never, nobody loving him he will him never except ever for me. get what he wants because he is not a and person. that way like tom brady is a really tragic figure if if you think homelander is yeah i always like whenever you're watching the boys i'm like man i really empathize with homelander he's the real hero of the story speaking of people who don't care what they think of them mm-hmm. i watched a movie last night called ace ventura 2 when nature calls Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. Have you have you guys ever seen this movie? I haven't seen either Ace Ventura. Mm-mm. This this was the first time I ever saw this movie. If we had been a little born, like probably five years earlier, it would have been like yeah. the biggest shit on earth for yeah. us. Well, Lieb was born in 1990, yep. and this movie came out in 1995. And she this this was a big Lee's pick week for me. Um, <laughs> everything I'm going to talk about tonight is uh, stuff that she chose for us to watch. And this is like one of her favorite movies of all time. Um, it's a movie that would never be made today. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is just so unhinged what Jim Carrey is doing. Like he is on everything all the time, every second of this movie mm-hmm. nonstop. Um, it is unlike anything I've ever seen. Like the, there are movies that have performances that are, uh, lacking of hinge um, in every way possible. Heath Ledger won an Oscar for it, for his final performance in The Dark Knight. Um, but I guess you could make an argument that he is like the star of that movie, but he's not in every scene of mm. the movie. This is a movie where the star is just going balls out <laughs> every fucking second. We like it. Um, there's a chunk of the movie that is very dated because it takes place in Africa and it de- depicts this African tribe. And it's oh like, boy. you're, you're kind of like, you're kind of in a weird place where you're like, well, would it be better to have a movie that's all white people and, and no people of color at all mm-hmm. or put black people in it depicting this very, um, kind of dated and borderline insensitive depiction of an African tribe. Um, and you get a, a little bit of like half ass representation in there. This also is a movie where he uh, shoots out of a rhino's <laughs> asshole. So we don't need to talk that exactly. much about, about exactly. the praxis of Ace Ventura. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing is like, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie because <laughs> you don't have time. Exactly. You don't have time to like, think about it in a serious way because it's just so nonstop absurd and ridiculous um and carrie just he he carries it straight Mm -hmm. up like it's insane i've never seen anybody do the shit that he does in this movie it's it's unbelievable um and the thing is is like his character when i say he doesn't uh care about what people think i'm talking about how he shits on everybody so when you're uncomfortable when he's like shitting on the Africans and making fun of them, there are plenty of scenes where he's shitting on the white people, on the the colonizers and making fun of them, too. He's not on anybody's side. He's just he's on the animal side. That's the whole thing. He's just an, a, an advocate for so the animals. I'm so sick of animals getting all the representation. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I I enjoyed the hell out of it. His 1994 is wild. It's he has unreal, Ace Ventura, dude. The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. And then this Ace Ventura 2 the next year. Yeah. And Batman Forever. Yes. Yeah, his run is is the greatest run in comedy history. It, it's unbelievable. Run. And, and strictly comedy. And history. not only in terms of like the movies being hits, but like what he did for comedy. Like everybody was trying to replicate that unhinged energy yeah and, and nobody could well yeah it's not because like it's like even in his hands at a certain point it got really annoying in anyone else's hand it's annoying off top well like, i yeah. mean look at his run is incredible but it's also so short-lived like the cable guy came up came out and people really did not like that movie people were hard out hard out on ben stiller as a director since he made that movie and then jim carrey was just like i'm going to be a serious actor now and people dismissed him and still kind of continue to dismiss him to this day yeah his his despite his better work in my opinion being in the late 90s and stuff like that with the truman show and man on the moon yeah man Man on the moon kind of ended the run although he did have a couple after that like bruce almighty eternal um, sunshine yeah um 23 yeah number 23 uh banger so mr popper's penguins I like I yes mean, that was the end of the run. Yeah, yes Man is a cute little fun movie. It's dumb as hell. Wish you could step out from that. Yeah, list, that's funny. It's just it's funny watching him try to play like a depressed guy. Like you're like, come on. Jim. And then he uh, was part I mean, he of. He was a depressed. Yeah, I know. Guy. But it's yeah. funny watching you're watching Jim Carrey. You're right. Like, brother. But that's there's like this 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 creeping of the. No, of the I, I see him. I'm like, no, self. fucking do your little dance for me. You <laughs> stupid monkey. Hey, but we can't forget Jim Carrey uh, was a central cog in one of the first major super spreader events that we had in the country with Sonic yes, He's an anti-vaxxer. I forgot about this man. He he rocks. He is? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. No, I meant that like he was getting people to go to the theater on February. Oh, nice. No, he was he was married to what's her name? O'Connell. Uh, the Rosie big- O'Donnell. No, man. <laughs> No, Ernest. He was married to the the big anti-vax chick who's been on it for years, like way before it was a thing. And he like also he's not as vocal about it, but he's like, I just think we should be questioning like why there are certain chemicals in this. Oh things. boy. I I mean we should, but uh, not during a fucking pandemic. Yeah. When you, you need vaccines to get us Ernie, out of the pandemic. Ernie is only an anti-vaxxer once this is all over. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Right, Ernie. So this movie caused me to like want to put together a little bit of uh, an absurdist comedy list on Letterboxd because I, I I was trying to find other people's lists and like, I don't know, I, I didn't find one that satisfied me. So I just made my own and I would love to put together like a little bit of like an absurdist comedy mini canon. I here. think absurdist is the wrong word. Um because the comedy isn't absurdist. Like, he's just acting absurd. Dude, you gotta watch this movie. I know, just absurdist comedy to me is like the gags in, like, Wet Hot. That well, that's that's are. on the list. Yeah, the, so, like, where those gags just absolutely don't make sense. Like, dude, there are shit, there's shit in this movie that's, like, it's on that level. It's insane. It's I mean, absolutely insane. I, I don't know. I'll check it out. It's, um, it's obviously not as good as Wet Hot, but it's kind of, like, creeping on that level. And I wanted to leave out of here the straight up like parody uh, type of movies, you know, like that's a different thing. Those movies are absurd, but they're not absurd in the way that these movies are where they're just like, 
you know, like, um, like epic movie or scary movie. No. Yeah. Well, no. the, the first well, scary movies had some great absurdism. Like but I crazy mean, there's visual gags. Yeah, like think, but like more absurdism is like uh, prime Adam Sandler kind of stuff, like that kind of range of where it's just like it's like that's just silly. That's it, not absurd. I mean, there is some stuff that is like more absurdist within there that it's just like kind of a non joke, um, especially in stuff not a uh, Happy Gilmore um, and like the Water Boy and stuff like that. Mm. Um, well, he's done. He's done like absurdist stuff, but like the Jim Carrey to me, like I hear that name and I'm saying like, I think like silly comedy, like silly broad. Yeah. But when it comes to Ace Ventura 2, because Lee was telling me that the first Ace Ventura is more on the lines of that Adam Sandler yeah, like type silly. of silly comedy. Yeah. I don't, but I don't, the they, second one just it goes off the rails. Yeah. Because they realize that people how much people like the mask, which is like so insane. It's literally just him being horny yeah. in a mask. <laughs> so here's here's the list. <laughs> right at the top, I put Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. Um, then Wet Hot. Then Dr. Strangelove. Um, then Anchorman. Uh, they came together. Step Brothers, uh, Blazing Saddles, mm. uh, then Austin Powers 1, Austin Powers 2. Airplane. Uh, yeah. Um, Ace Ventura 2, Airplane, Talladega Nights, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Absolutely. Young Frankenstein. Pee-wee is a great example mm-hmm. of absurdist comedy. And Zoolander. Well, some of those things, though, like, are pretty parody heavy. Oh, like, like like Austin Powers, or like even they came together. Like that is just but that's riffing the, on so but, many. But it's different not a specific things. movie, that right? It's, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's also like I get what you're saying. Th- it's also like there are parodies that aren't absurdist, and those are the worst ones usually because that movie, like they came together, is so great because it's not just a parody. They're doing gags that are like original, not palatable yeah. for a normal yeah. audience. <laughs> yeah. Like weird gags. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Airplane is still the golden example of like Airplane invented so much that we just take for granted today. It's you can rewatch it anytime and it's fucking hilarious. Um, also, the Naked Gun movies got to go in there. Yeah, they yeah. Um, they rock hard. Um, what are what are some other ones that I can add in here real quick before we move on? Silly. Or not silly, absurd. I mean, you know, more Monty Python, of course. Yeah, just like, like every I was thinking just life like of Brian, life of Brian, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll Down revisit there. these. I might I might do like a little bit of a watch through of some of the ones like when we did uh, um, Tim Burton uh, two years ago, I never uh, revisited Pee Wee. So that's still on my watch list. Um, Real quick, before we get to Hunter's Ketchup, I wanted to talk about um a new um, addition to the Disney Plus catalog called Cinderella. Um, What's this? <laughs> it's a version of Cinderella um, that was released in 1997. Um, and it stars Brandy as Cinderella, who is this uh, black singer, pop artist um, turned uh actor actress and she stars in the title role and you've got uh whoopi goldberg as the queen jason alexander in an, as an original character whitney houston as the fairy godmother um and this movie ever since disney plus dropped lee was like why isn't this movie on disney plus like it, it she didn't understand it and finally 
Valentine's Day weekend, it dropped and um, we watched it and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I think it's like kind of uh, uh, corralled a little bit by being a TV movie. Like it aired exclusively on like ABC or something back in 97. So it doesn't, you know, on like a a purely like visual level, it is immediately dated because it, Mm -hmm. it, it never had that big screen you know, full HD, uh, sort of release. Um, but it's like, it's, it's this take on Cinderella that is like all people of all different races. Like Prince Charming is played by like, uh, a South Asian Filipino dude, you know, and there's the, 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 the King is white and the queen is black and, and, and Cinderella's black and like the, the, the stepsisters, one's white and one's black. So it's like this fully kind of like uh, racially and ethnically, uh, you know, uh, diverse cast mm. in 1997. Mm-hmm. And it just got me thinking, like, why didn't this like start a trend? Because it 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 had it was a hit like it had like 40 to 50 million viewers when it premiered. And it just like never took off in terms of like inspiring more iterations of uh, classic Disney tales with a with a diverse live action cast. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. It's it's a well done movie. It's, it's it's the original songs by Rodgers and Hammerstein, and you got fucking Whitney Houston in there singing her ass off. Um, so I really enjoyed it. It's on Disney Plus right now. If you want to check it out. Um, give it a watch. And then on that same vein of Cinderella, Mm -hmm. we watched another one of Lee's all time favorites ever after starring Drew Barrymore. You guys seen this? No, no. I thought that this was, uh, the movie with Amy Adams. That's, um, 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 enchanted, enchanted, enchanted. So ever after I went into this movie uh very very skeptical and i was shocked how much i fucking enjoyed this movie this is a great movie straight up this is this is a a a version of cinderella that is told like a historical drama mm-hmm. like a, like the the actual events uh, but it's got so much it's so watchable because it's got like so much of a of a rom-com feel to it mm-hmm. um fucking uh Dougary scott plays prince charming prince mm-hmm. henry uh of uh mission impossible 2 fame oh yeah and um i i was so shocked how good he was he's got a little bit of uggo face so i understand <laughs> like why his career who is it Dougary scott Dougary scott look up this guy's Change your name <laughs> this this guy yeah it's kind of funny like mi2 and ever after is two only bigger he was hits. he, he was wasn't su- like taken three and he was supposed to be uh logan he looks like he was pretty hot yeah his name's is it doug ray <laughs> no Dougery. it's spelled like doug ray <laughs> <laughs> he was supposed to be logan in x-men and then uh yeah Hugh that's Jackman why i know his name in. that was a huge bad beat for him yeah mm-hmm. look yep. this is this is what he looked like in, in ever after oh, that's a hunk come on yeah he he's great he's got great chemistry with um 
with Drew Barrymore. You know who else he was supposed to play? Another horrible beat. This guy's like a classic bad yeah, beat guy. He was it? supposed to play Aragorn. That's yes, right. Lord of the Rings. Yes, that's it. We talked about him. Yeah, we brought I, him up. This is like a classic almost oh, guy in damn, Hollywood. He got, yeah, he got double fucked. That's huge. He could have had like nine figures money. He's genuinely great in this movie. Like I, I again, I was very, very apprehensive about this fucking live action cinderella movie um but i i genuinely thought it was great because it doesn't just try to do the boring old i mean not that it's necessarily boring but like the story that we know Mm. this tries to do something very different it honestly gets like pretty dark for a minute there towards the end um And it doesn't have like the fairy godmother or magic or anything. It's just like straight up realistic take as realistic uh, as if it was the real events that happened, as if this story was based on real life. Um, And it ties in. It actually ties into history. Like Leonardo da Vinci is a character in this movie. Um, And I I thought it was I thought it was amazing. Great. Like Valentine's Day. Uh, weekend watch between this and and the other Cinderella. I I like this one more than the other one. The other one's mm-hmm. good to watch if you if you want that peek at like Disney history mm-hmm. of like this time when they had this massive hit with Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother. Um, it's worth watching just for that. And the the costumes and the sets are amazing. Jason Alexander again is like he has like a a number, but as a movie. <laughs> Um, ever after, like, I was like, wow, this is actually like a really great movie. Also real quick. Um, the, the, uh, stepmother is played by Angelica Houston, who is amazing as the stepmother and Melanie Linsky is the, one of the step sisters. She should have had a better career. She's so good in this. She should, I think. A big part of it is I think she's Australian mm. and she never got her teeth fixed because of that. And she mm. has uh, unpalatable teeth for the American audience because I can't see any other reason that she's not an A-lister because she's like super talented. Actress. Yeah. Well, good. So that's yeah. yeah, that's what I watched. This I want to check out uh, especially Roger and Hammerstein's because I know that's also one of Gaia's classic yeah. favorites. Great music, great dancing, great sets, great costume. Super worth checking out. Hunter. <laughs> I guess I guess oh Drew you go first I thought you'd already went honestly oh oh no I've just been promised land you talked about promised land no that was part of please thing. no please. you know what Drew just go ahead no, I don't you wanna. didn't put it on the dock but I just, did just go uh, on check ahead check the dock bitch uh, oh, it says, my battery is low it says Drew's class notes so <laughs> class <laughs> yes um I am taking college algebra and I need your help memorizing. No, <laughs> uh, so the class you mentioned earlier uh, that you took uh, motion picture genre and you did, you, it's a different specialization of genre every semester. Yours was movies about TV. Would have loved to have taken that class to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, but I'm in it this semester with the same professor, Barry, the Sandman Sandler um, screenwriter extraordinary, probably the best professor at the UCF. He, he rocks. It's, it's sad the circumstances under which I have to take his course because, you know, it's it's in that big theater in the visual arts building mm-hmm. and it's so spaced out where you can sit and uh, it's it's just not ideal. Like mm-hmm. you can't really hear what he's saying with the mask and it's tough. Um, 
but he's cool as hell. The specialization uh, this semester is LGBTQ representation in film. Uh, and we've watched uh, quite a few movies so far. I just want to talk about two of them uh, to be brief. One, they're both, I think, worth watching. They're both very interesting, like snapshots in history, because like the way we're doing it is pretty chronological. We're tracking how it was represented in film. So the first movie that ever like had a gay character in it in America was called The Children's Hour. Uh, it was directed by William Wyler. So big director. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, starring Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine. So it was directed by Sam Levinson. <laughs> okay. So this is a huge cat. Audrey Hepburn, Shirley, Shirley MacLaine and James Garner are your three big that's massive for back then. The reason that they all were attached to this and William Wyler is because they were all very progressive, like politically active people in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And they wanted something with any representation in it, even if it was like pretty piss poor representation like this movie has. Like, it's funny to watch this movie and think that this was the best that had ever been done for representing gay people. And it's still treated like it is like a pox <laughs> upon like the nation. Um So it's based on a stage play of the same name. Uh, Essentially, the plot is Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine run a school for for little girls. And uh, one there's this one little girl who if you look like on Letterboxd, every review is about how this little girl needs to like go to prison. (laughs) It is the most hateable character you'll ever see in any movie. I'm not exaggerating. The the top review is can children get the death penalty? Dude, (laughs) this girl, like I wanted to murder. All she does is wreak havoc on these poor people. Um, So she is just being a little shit and she starts a rumor that these two women are gay and have like because she doesn't want to go back to the school so she's like no you don't want me to go back there grandma i i heard them doing this um and it becomes this massive thing and then this grandma um like ends up calling all the other parents at this school and they all pull their kids out they they lose everything there ends up being a lawsuit over it because you know for like libel because it's based on the rumor of a child um it's it's just it's a really well done movie and I was sort of impressed because it is like not good representation but it does some things right that I wouldn't have expected because this is from 1961 it's a black and white movie it's very old um and so the the twist of it is that Shirley MacLaine is in love with Audrey Hepburn I'll just tell you right now um it could be because is it is it subtext or is it explicitly that's that's what i was gonna say is i was very impressed because i that's not much of a spoiler because you basically know from the first scene like you're watching and you're like oh shirley mcclain's really into audrey hepburn which how could you not hey i mean aren't we all my god (laughs) she is like she's the blueprint for millennial girls like like she's so uh timeless in this weird way and by the way shirley mcclain uh i singled her out in being there Mm-hmm. Because she is like Oscar worthy in that movie. She's a fucking killer and she's still around making shit. I think that she won an Oscar in The Apartment. She, I believe. The she, Apartment won Best um, Picture, but yeah. yeah she's an absolute she's fucking legend and like to be an activist this early in her career. Like that rocks. But anyway, uh, I was impressed also because so James Garner is Audrey Hepburn's boyfriend. Shirley MacLaine obviously hates him because she she like secretly she won't even admit it to herself. Like gay being gay is like not a thing hardly unless you're like in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, And James Garner is a bit of an asshole. He's this doctor. 
Um, and he ends up, he doesn't know that she's gay, like actually gay, but he really like rides with them. Like he sides with them. He, he like threw out all the bullshit. Like he ends up being a pretty like good character, which I was fully not expecting. I was expecting him to be like, you, what's that? You might have kissed a girl piece. <laughs> and he ends up like, you know, he wants to help them both and like stays with their blah, blah, blah. Uh, so the whole plot hinges on like the fallout of the yeah the relationship essentially like what it, how their lives could be exactly their lives their lives are fully destroyed by this yeah um and the way like when when this little girl whispers what she saw them do what she didn't actually see to the grandma it's horror movie music that's playing and yeah. the grandma's face is like she just like saw a ghost because she just heard i i heard them i saw them kissing like that's how it was treated um in a progressive film and but the thing that is I mean, most that's how it was the thing that's two two things are most impressive once shirley mclean finally is able to vocalize her feelings which takes a long long time because that's you know true to life especially back then uh a it's never portrayed as a choice of hers which i thought i was really shocked by i i don't know if that maybe that's like a newer narrative that conservatives used about homosexuality but she it's truly portrayed as like i like cannot control this like i I, if i could just be normal i would everything would be easier but like i am in love with you like it's just when i was a kid like i just like girls i didn't control it that's that was really cool to me and then the second thing is uh the way that that's treated is is like like Audrey Hepburn isn't an asshole about that. Mm. But end of the day, it's not a happy ending. It's a very sad ending. Damn. Mm. Uh, it's a really well made movie though. It's captivating. It's well directed, well shot. Um, this little girl, you will never, you'll not want to wring your fucking hands around the neck of any other person any more than this girl. She doesn't, I mean, how old is, is the character or the girl? Like 10, 11. I guess, I guess she doesn't understand like the gravity of what she's but, doing. Dude, she, cause she's all over this movie. She's like really, she has more screen time than James Garner easily. Um, because she just keeps lying, keeps lying and lying and lying. What a little shit. She's a sociopath. Like this character, this is one of the worst characters I've ever seen. Um, but she's a good child actress because you fucking hate her. Um, it just, it's, it's a good movie, like outside of the context of what it is. And when you find out that it's the first movie to include this representation, it's very impressive. 1961. Yeah. I definitely want to check this out. I uh, I mean, I watched a number of William Wyler movies because he made three Best Picture winners with Ben Hur, Best Years of Our Life, and um, uh, what was the other one? Roman Holiday. No, no. It, Roman Holiday didn't win. Um, Mrs. Miniver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's great. I mean, I fucking love Shirley MacLaine. I love Audrey Hepburn. I'm, yeah, they're, I'm they're just solid actors and they're doing solid acting. The Children's Hour. It's um, streaming on Hoopla <laughs> with a um, Hoopla uh, library card. Yeah. Um, the second one that I'll talk about is one written by the man himself, Barry the Sandman Sandler. Um, oh, he screened his movie. I've always wanted yeah, because Barry it. Sandler is a gay man who's written movies, um, which is hard. It's very hard to get movies greenlit about gay men, especially in 1982, which is when this movie came out. Knock him dead. It's called Making Love. Oh, okay. Um, it is starring the cop from Twin Peaks. 
not the agent, the cop. You know who I'm talking about? The the curly haired guy. Yeah, the yeah, Michael Onskin, the normie looking dude. I'm gonna be oh, honest. Yeah. I thought this when I was watching Twin Peaks. I think it after watching this. I think that guy's awful. I truly do. I don't think he is good at all at acting. Period. Um, he's good in Twin Peaks for what he's asked to do yeah, because he's playing. Like he is simple, playing the straight man. I know. Yeah. Just watching, even watching Twin Peaks, I was like, I don't think that he knows that he's doing a good job. <laughs> like, I think he's just flat as a board all the time. Um, Cause this could have been a way better performance. This is a really, really juicy role. This is a, uh, it's about a couple in LA who's like, you know, they're, they're all, everything's this, great. This with was them. pre pre peaks. Uh, yeah. 82. Um, and he, well, so Barry ran through who was going to have this role. Michael Douglas could have had it. Mother. Whoa. There were big Barry. names. Big names were attached and then backed out and attached and backed out. Um, because they needed, you know, that's what you need to get a movie like this made. Um, and he said in so many words that he wasn't very happy with, with how Michael <laughs> Ontkeen did. That, guy, oh, no. that guy's awful, man. <laughs> so he's he's this doctor. He has a great wife. Like they're buying a house. Um, and he is very slowly coming to grips with the fact that he's interested in men. Uh, and the... Barry, like for what he did, he did a great job to, to get this made period is a miracle. Of course, um, the writing at, at some points is just immensely corny and, and you know, melodramatic way over the top. Um, but it treats uh, his character as a three dimensional human being. And also like there's a there's a man that he sort of like shepherds him through this experimentation phase. Um, and I think that was also a very well fleshed out character. It was like, like that guy's main struggle wasn't that he was gay. He was perfectly fine with being gay actually. And, and his struggle was just the fact that Michael Ankin won't like leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> and like, uh, so it, it's, these are characters with lives outside of just this single issue, which I really appreciated. Um, because that happens a lot with any type of genre movie or representation movie, but even movies just that are like in such a specific genre, like a lot of the time, their whole character is just about the crime or whatever. Yeah. It's a, just about this murder that happened. Um, so there's there's a lot of dimension here that I, I liked um, the, the movie as a whole. I think could have been a lot better. I think if you get someone like Michael Douglas, it becomes so Oof, much better. Yeah, um, It's. It's not bad. Uh, the Children's Hour is like a better just like watch it just to like watch a good movie. Mm -hmm. um, this this is just very. it's like I said, it's a snapshot of history. It's fascinating like to see that this is where they were at in 82. Um, AIDS is like not quite like going crazy yet in 82. Um, because past that point, like all the gay movies are about AIDS. Yeah. You know, Philadelphia, they, they kind of have yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, but this is just, it's a good movie about like what happens. Uh, like he, he ends up not with his wife. He ends up with a dude. Uh, there you go. Unfortunately, it, this movie seems like it's really hard to find. I'm like trying to look around. It's not on yeah. any streaming. You gotta know, you gotta like know that. Barry Sandler. I gotta know Barry. And oh, I mean like a DVD. <laughs> another, another really great progressive feature of this is that he ends up on good terms with his wife. There like she remarries, he remarries. Uh, it's, it, it's, you know, they're all adults. It's like, do you guys ever watch girls? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like the, the, the dad and girls. Yes. Well, kind of that, that one's a little bit more dramatic 
Well, this is very dramatic and it's like thorny for quite a while with the wife. Like okay. it's like she's not but just by okay the end, with it. Right. She's okay. in denial about it. Uh like he is, but it, it was it was a super it's a solid movie and it's very interesting to watch. I wanted yeah, I'm Making interested to check love. this movie as support him. I, I did look on Amazon. You can buy a used copy of the DVD for a hundred and twenty dollars. So Barry, send me that link. What? $120 for a used and good condition. Damn, Barry. Yeah, you, this there's no new versions of this movie. I like, it's I, not available anywhere. You can buy the VHS. I can buy the VHS for 20 Hey, I still have a VHS player. I could throw that in I, there. I love the DVD cover for this. Everybody's <laughs> shirtless, but you can't see their chest. You can only see their bare, like... Next. upper torso <laughs> yeah. he did the director of this arthur hiller directed a richard pryor gene wilder movie um that also featured a very young kevin spacey that's great oh Good. neat we love it making love and uh children's hour that's what drew's been watching hunter let's close this out um so you talked about uh last week or week before uh how you just watched the color purple and uh, that kind of started a little thing in me where I was like, damn, I haven't seen like so many of Spielberg's movies. So I decided to this year uh, go on a little bit of a journey myself to uh, watch through Steven Spielberg's catalog in order, um, especially Which is because less than 92 movies for sure. Yeah. Un- I would take the under yeah. on that. Um, da- but da- it's downwards like 50. of 92. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm I'm am starting with 1971's Duel, uh, which is his uh, feature length debut. Um, also, because it's the 50th anniversary, we're now in 50 years of Spielberg making movies. So, yeah. So I figured what better time than now. Um, so started with Duel. As I said, uh, this movie was originally it's kind of interesting. So this was originally a TV movie that people fucking loved and then it got like fleshed out Spielberg did like a director's cut to push it to about 88 minutes so that they could air it in theaters um it's pretty good um I did not love it as much as a lot of people did um I'll basically say it's Ernest I think that you would like it because you're a big fan of like death proof and stuff like that yeah it has similar vibes to that I love death proof the the main uh premise of the movie is Dennis Weaver is just a guy like doing an appointment for like insurance or something he's just driving down the highway and there's like a big old tanker truck is behind him or passes he passes a tanker truck and then this truck just starts like driving him off the road and like makes Dennis Weaver like go insane. Um, it's very Hitchcockian, which is kind of funny because like, like unhinged. Yeah. Well, now we Russell know Crow. it. Now we know like Spielberg as this big grandiose figure. Uh, it, it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of the movie from the early 2000s. Joyride. Yeah, baby. Um, let's go. Kurt, Kurt. Oh, Kurt, Kurt. Yeah, is be, that um featuring what? Ted Levine as like a demented trucker? Yeah. And R.I.P. Paul, 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 Paul Walker. Walker. Yeah. yeah. Um, movie swag. Dude. <laughs> I love that movie that as a kid. So have no idea how it holds. It's it's up. bad it's horrible i'm sure it Come was on. kind of bad then but um no but it is still like it's worth watching to kind of see where it came from and it's funny between that and the next movie i'm going to talk about you can see like 
Spielberg hadn't become the guy who would go on to, he hadn't become an influencer. He had just been the influencee and just like taking in all these Hitchcock and um, William Wyler and all these different filmmakers that inspired him. And you can see the seedlings of those all over this movie. Um, It's really interesting. It's like three bucks on Google. and It's definitely worth the $3 to rent it. Um, Cause I was, I was still engaged throughout. It doesn't, lose the tension too much despite being a little bit bloated uh part of that's because of spielberg's very snappy direction and also a dennis weaver's performance because it kind of all rests on him like this driver who's chasing him is faceless you don't know who this guy is you just it's like a one-man show sort yeah, of thing yeah yeah pretty much um with these like little reprieves where he'll like stop at a gas station um there's one part there is like some good humor in this movie like there's one part where he stops over at a gas station and he's like going up to uh, a phone booth to like call the police to tell them about this thing and this woman at her gas station just has like i don't know like two dozen uh just containers of like snakes and tarantulas and the guy just like drives through the phone booth and she's just like my snakes no my snakes are gonna (laughs) escape that's that's a spielberg it's it's really funny (laughs) it's like this is not a person who you put in here but i love this he's like what what's the cheapest like weirdest thing that we can put in yeah i mean this movie was made for like no money at all a lot of it is actually stock footage my snakes why did he have to run over my snakes (laughs) like indiana jones reference exactly The next one that I watched, uh, his follow up to Duel, his first film that was actually made for theaters is The Sugarland Express. Um, have you guys ever seen this movie? No. Nope. By chance? Um, it's on HBO Max right now. And it is, it's really, really good. Um, it's kind of a Bonnie and Clyde type story uh, starring Goldie Hawn and um, uh, who's the other guy? William Atherton. He's fine. Goldie <laughs> Hawn is incredible in this movie. Uh, pretty right. much it's Bonnie and Clyde, except uh, the motivation for the two of them is that they were both arrested for like petty larceny, got put away for a few months, and the state of Texas deemed that they are unfit parents and they can never have their child again. And it sends them on this spree where they're just like, we will do anything to get our child back, including kidnapping a police officer and speeding and grand theft auto and all these kind of crazy things just with the end goal of like speeding. we will be <laughs> reunited with their child yeah that's the biggest that's the most heinous act that they commit um How dare you it's based on a true story mm. of this really happened in like 1969 in texas probably some people who were inspired by bonnie and clyde which came out mm. two years earlier um but it is really really good i think that this is kind of when Spielberg gets it's his, his first inkling of knowing how to have a big chasing and also have very intimate personal moments with people that you really empathize with these people who are doing like they're committing horrible crimes <laughs> like they're just holding an police officer at gunpoint to drive them that's away. praxis um but you are fully all in uh, with this couple and just like cheering for them. And another thing that's kind of fascinating an element of this is it starts to tap into the media side of 
this couple and like their story of what they're trying to do and yeah and no and there's like little towns that they're driving through in texas where people just have all of these signs and they're like giving them flowers and they're like you go get your baby nobody can take your baby away from you it's kind of wild like it's it's really really cool like thinking ahead of its time of you see like it's like if this kind of thing it think back it kind of reminded me of how the world reacted whenever the oj shit was going on exactly where it's just like people will defend somebody whether they committed an act or not because they like see themselves in that person and then there's other the complete opposite side where they're like this person is a horrible human being they need to get the death penalty and they get they get wrapped up in the sensationalism yeah too, exactly not even seeing the facts straight for anything um yeah but i i definitely highly recommend this movie even over duel like this it's really great i goldie hahn was just like an icon mm-hmm. like her 70s into 80s run is just isn't unbelievable she, isn't she married to ted danson no i'm not sure i know that is she i know isn't her Oh man, I'm just mixing up everybody. I think she looks great for her age. I think she was born in 1945. I realized because uh, I kept looking at her eyes while watching Sugarland Express, and I couldn't figure out what they remind me of. And I finally figured it out after the movie ended. Is you know, whenever you're making a me, um, and you can choose the option for like kind of the sunken eyes with the black underneath. That's kind of what she looks like in uh, Sugarland Express. Oh, Kurt uh, Russell. That's Kurt Russell. Oh, they they live like yeah. the most blessed life of all time together. They they have very cute videos together. Sugarland Express. It's crazy that you actually started at the beginning. Because yeah, I, like I always go, I always just go Jaws as like the first. Spielberg, I, well, I wanted to go. I wanted really. to go in order. Yeah, because ja- I mean, I've seen Jaws a thousand times. Like that's one of my. Fa- I watch that movie at least once a year every summertime. Like it's kind of a July Fourth staple. Like that and Wet Hot. I'm just gonna throw on every year. Um, but I wanted to kind of go back a little bit. Am I gonna go back and watch his like TV work on Columbo? No, but uh, I can start here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to do this every week for wherever I'm at in Spielberg, but I want to highlight some of them. Are you going to go in order? Or yeah. Are you gonna- yeah. Yeah. I want to go. I like to do filmmakers a lot of times in order because you can kind of see trends, see when they picked up certain tricks and stuff like that. Like in Sugarland Express, this is the first movie to ever use the Panavision Panaflex camera. That is like the signature camera that Spielberg uses in all of his movies going forward for the 80s and 90s. Then you got Jaws and Close Encounters and then 1941, which was his first big flop. Yeah, never seen 1941, never seen Empire of the Sun, any of those movies. So Empire of the Sun is so good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited to get through it. Mm. Oh, my God. Fucking love that movie. Well, that about does it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Brian for emailing. You can email us at weboughtamike at gmail.com. You can donate. Thanks to Brian and all the other donors for donating. Anchor.fm slash We Bought a Mic. Please rate, review, subscribe. Please let us know what you thought of all the stuff we talked about. Follow us and uh, stick around for our reviews of Minari and Nomadland. Um, and listen to the Judas and the Black Messiah episode if you haven't already. Woo! Then we got the Nick Cage series starting. starting so... A lot of good stuff coming. You know that's Stick right. Stick around. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.